And as we jump into today, all right, we're going to be hitting a lesson that's going to set up the next, the last two weeks of class on Lord of the Ring. Fair enough. Um, it, it connects back to Friday, but we were on page 159 of the guidebook, and it's the forward to the second edition by Tolkien. And really what I want to talk about today is this quote that I've been saying to you all semester. All great stories, all great myths do what? Point to the true great story, the true myth that we are in. Got it? So based off of that, I'm having you for your final exam. Look at a great myth or epic or a great story. Find 12 moments of application and apply it to your life so you can start seeing your life as an epic adventure. Go team. That is due on the day of the final. Okay, it's due on the day of the final. You should have picked. And so because I love you and because it's been a great semester and because this is what I do at the end of senior year in the spring when we're all tired and ready to move on to college, I will give you the next two weeks of in-class time to work on your final exam, okay? Um, I know some of you may be like, well, but I want to do that on my device. You can, but yeah, in class use pen and paper, all right, and then transfer it later. I've tried to make it so that, like, well, you're allowed to be on your device, but not these other people, but, right, like, basically, we've got, I have two students this semester who are doing class electronically. One of them is in the room right now, right? Yes. So, you can give it up right there, it's fine. Yep. But special case scenario, she has hers out, that's because of a special agreement that we have. Everybody else, phones and devices are away, all right? There's one other student in another class who's doing it as well. So we're using workbooks or your journal or whatever. Got it? Go team. Uh, that being said, you really are allowed to just, I mean, if you're just like the whole class period working on your thing, great. You could theoretically get your final done during class, right? And I'm doing this because is life crazy right now? Yeah. Yes, do we need one more thing to do outside of school? No, no I, we don't. And I'm also doing it because not everybody is going to necessarily enjoy me spending two weeks using metaphor from Hobbit and Lord of the Rings, right? I love it, you know, so a bunch of you are gonna love it. I am doing it because two weeks of doing it and after two weeks you're gonna be almost sick of it, like, okay, I get the fact that we can apply this stuff to our lives, Mr. D. And if you get to that point, I've done my job, right? The, the, I've really done my job when you go to the next movie and you're like, thanks, Mr. D. All I, now I'm watching a movie and thinking about how it applies to my life. I'm like, yes, <laughs> I got you. It worked. <laughs> All right, so there you go. All right. So if we're doing our, our final class, can we bring our book? Yeah, you can bring your thing. You can't just sit here and watch the movie. At the you got to do that outside of class. But you can bring your notes and bring your stuff and fill it out. All right. On the day of the final, you will show up and you will have the quest, which is the 12 metaphors from your movie, from your character that you're following. The map, which is a little map that you made of your movie or character or story. My quest, which is all of your application, and your map, because it's probably going to be in different order than the other one. You will literally sit here either before or during and go click, take a picture, take a picture, take a picture of all four of those things, stick them out Academy Central, and you're done. Like that's the final. Except for one last piece. I think we talked about it in this class. Someone asked, do we have to do that written piece because they actually did read what was due? And no, I'm not going to make you write a two-page paper here at the end. You're welcome. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> right. You already have plenty that you're doing. What I will do to replace the two-page written aspect of that is I'm going to get you into groups of three or four 
and they'll give you 15 or 20 minutes on the day of the final to do that verbally. You're just gonna talk to the people in your group about what you've learned. You good? Okay, and then like I said, uh, we'll make that an opportunity to share. I'm not gonna make everybody share, but if you wanna share something that you learned, you can with the class. And then after that, we'll take the last hour and we'll ride out with the Rohirrim and we'll destroy the ring with Frodo. And it's a fun way to end class. Questions, thoughts, comments, concerns, we good? That being said then, I got this whole concept from Tolkien himself, okay? Tolkien himself, many people addressed him by asking, hey, so what's the allegory? I've had students actually come up to me like, I think I got it, Mr. I think I got it. So, so Gandalf is Jesus, and Frodo is Peter, and Sam is James, and Legolas is John, and Aragorn is Paul the Apostle. And they're trying to do what? They're, they're trying to like one-to-one -one allegory it out, and is that how it's written? No, it's not meant to be that way. People do that with Narnia because it lends itself to that, but is Aslan Jesus? No, Aslan's Aslan. Jesus saves our world, Aslan saves Narnia. Like, they're different, right? Now, they're similar, but they're different, right? And we're meant to learn about it. C.S. Lewis himself says this, he says it. This story is supposed to point you to the story that you're in. He says it to Susan and Lucy and that, like, I hope you guys learn. You're in this world to learn about how to deal with your world when you get back home. Oh, click. So that's what Mr. D is saying. I didn't invent this stuff. They're the ones I'm learning it from and want to teach it to you. Yes? Tolkien says this about the Lord of the Rings. The real war, World War One, World War Two, does not resemble the legendary war in its process or conclusion. If I had inspired direct if I, you know, if I had done that, he's like, I could have done this and this and this and this and this and this, and then it could have been World War II, Hitler, da 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 da. Now does it apply? Yes. Are there the similar attributes? Yes, but it's not a one-to-one -one ratio. He says this, other arrangements could be devised according to the taste and views of those who like allegory or topical reference. But I cordially dislike allegory in all its manifestations and have always done so since I grew old enough and wary enough to detect its presence. I much prefer history, true history or even false history, with its varied, here's the word, applicability. What a great word to the thought and experience of the readers. I think that many confuse applicability with allegory. The one resides in the freedom of the reader. The reader is free to apply the story however they want to. Yay, that's what we're gonna do and what I'm asking you to do. The other is in the purpose domination of the author. It's like, whoa, dude. But what are some famous allegories that maybe you've bumped into, anybody? Thank you, Allegory of the Cave, right? And it's merely meant to be a one-to-one. -one. It probably should be Metaphor of the Cave, but Allegory of the Cave, because he wrote it as a one-to-one -one teacher-student thing, right? Had anybody read Pilgrim's Progress by Bunyan, right? Or Hind's Feet on High Places with Much Afraid, no? Pilgrim's Progress, you've got Pilgrim. What's his name? Christian. Christian, and he's leaving the city of destruction and going on the straight and narrow path through the gate to where? The Celestial City. The Celestial City with a burden of what? Oh, it's just the burden on his back. That's right, we won't name it, but it's really what? Come on, you got it over there. Sin, see? And once we figure it out, once we figure it out, it's all a one-to-one-to-one-to-one-to-one. Yes? So he's got the guy Christian and Sin, and he goes to the cross, and Sin falls off, and he goes on his journey. He gets tempted by all these people with weird names because it's an allegory. Got it? Can you say, oh yeah, well, Pilgrim's Progress, it could also be about, 
you know, Muslims progress too, because Muhammad is on his way for the, ch can you do it? No. Yeah. no, it'll fall apart, it won't work, because it only has a one-to-one -one ratio. Once you've got it, you got it. Allegories are great if you know what you're expecting and you know what the author's trying to do to help you learn. C.S. Lewis wrote an allegory, Pilgrim's Regress. It's fabulous, right, and it reads really well. Goatee? Mm -hmm. Metaphor is so different. Is Gandalf like Jesus? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, he's totally like Jesus. Is Gandalf Jesus? No. no. Is Aragorn like Jesus? Mm -hmm. Is Frodo like Jesus? Mm -hmm. Actually, is Sam like Jesus? Oh, see, we can apply them. And actually, my uncle's kind of like Gandalf, and so is the dog down the street. And you're like, you can apply it to all these different places. And Tolkien and Lewis like the freedom of application. It's really found in metaphor. Check. Are we good? Part of why I took the last 10 minutes of your life to explain that is one, it's a great life skill. Two, it's really, it's, I'm passionate about the fact that these stories are meant to teach us about the exciting story that we're in. That was hashtag Friday's Chapel. But the other reason why I went through all of that is Tolkien wants us to do it, right? Does that make sense? Like Tolkien's saying, as you read this, I wrote it so that you can apply it. And a lot of authors have no idea about the true myth and they're just writing their awesome stories, but do they apply? Mm -hmm. Yes. Tolkien's doing reverse engineering. He knows about the true myth. He knows that myth can help <coughs> us teach about the true myth. So he wrote a myth that teaches about the true myth. Let's pray. Yeah? <laughs> Anybody want to pray today? I got it. Lord, thank you for a great weekend and uh, thank you for your grace and your love for us. Thank you that you're an awesome author and we get to be part of your amazing story and that you have great things for us planned in this story. Help us not to miss out our place in your story. Help us to trust you as an author. Uh, thank you that Tolkien has written these amazing stories to inspire us about our story with you and the battles that we are in and the, the struggles that we face but also the victory and the hope that we have in you. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Cool. Well, uh, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to start basically just teaching you about applicability based off of that concept. I'm going to start actually with the opening scenes from the Fellowship of the Ring. Okay. And then we'll do some Hobbit tomorrow and Block Day. Bless you. Friday I won't be here. And your sub is going to show you National Geographic doing what I'm doing. Except it's Nat Geo. It's awesome. You get to watch that documentary. And then all next week we will do uh, Fellowship of the Ring. We'll just look at ap application moments in Fellowship of the Ring. Okay? If you uh, have your guidebook, it's a great time to use it during class, either to work on your own stuff or to take some notes. On page 153, I've got a whole note page here. It should say, True Myth, All Great Stories Point to the True Great Story. And uh, it says history became legend and legend became myth in the middle. Here we go. I'm going to set up this opening scene. Who in this class has seen the opening scene? Yeah. Wait, I can't see. How many? Who's seen opening scene of extended version of Fellowship of the Ring? So most of us in the room. The rest of you, enjoy the ride. I'm going to stop it a whole bunch. Sorry, not really. I mean, we're in class. We're studying films. If you want to watch it on your own, just do it on your own without me. Right? Yeah, there you go.
Sorry, I thought I'd hit play. Ready, go. There you go, thank you. of the great rings. Three were given to the elves, immortal, wisest, and fairest of all beings. Seven to the dwarf lords, great miners and craftsmen of the mountain halls. And nine, nine rings were gifted to the race of men who above all else desire power. For within these rings was bound the strength and will to govern each race. Sweet. Who wants a ring? At this point in the story, like at this point in the story, oh, by the way, it's quick time out. That's how we should all say power from here on out. Power. Alright, who wants a ring? If you're at this point in the story, this powerful angel being with a bunch of really cool elves makes powerful rings that will make you more powerfuler. Right? You'll be handsomer or prettier, you'll be smarter, you'll be wiser, you'll be better at soccer, or you'll be better at violin, you'll be better at leadership, you'll make better decisions, you'll be better at knitting, right? Come on, there you go, right? You'll be better at whatever, right? Because you'll be more what? Yes, more better. That's what you'll be, because you'll have more power. Now, on that, if you could take a ring right now, that would help you nail your finals and be more powerful in college, you would take a ring. Most of them take a ring. Why would you potentially not take a ring? Well, okay, there are reasons not to. Hey, I'm fine. I don't. I don't. I'm content. I don't need more. I don't have the aerial complex. I want more, right? So you're good. Why else might you not take a ring from strange angel guy? Yeah. Hashtag. Wait. Spider-Man. Uncle Ben. With more power comes what? More responsibility. Why else might you not take a ring? You don't trust Angel Guy, right? Okay, like there's reasons not to, but generally speaking, you can't blame the kings and the elves and the dwarves for taking the ring. And most of us would enjoy being more powerful. Is power necessarily bad? Not at all. Um, unless it is overtly evil power, right? Um, because God's all-powerful and shares his power. So power isn't necessarily bad. Here we go. But they are all of them deceived. Ah, shoot! Right. Another ring. Bummer! In the land of Mordor, in the fires of Mount Doom, the Dark Lord Sauron forged in secret 
a master ring to control all others. And into this ring, he poured his cruelty, his malice, and his will to dominate all life. One ring to rule them all. One by one, the free lands of Middle-earth fell to the power of the ring. The power of the ring. Cruelty, malice, will to dominate. They all got what? Jewelry. <laughs> nice, right? Come on, right? They all got played. They all got uh, the word that they used, which I appreciate that the writers were careful with this. They all of them were deceived. That is a great word, a biblical word. They were tricked. Speaking of applicability, right? I, uh, I love using Lord of the Rings. I, I used to start class with this lesson, um, and you can almost see why in regards to the philosophy connection. Look at the four rings on page 153. I intentionally made the worldview things into rings. And let's say that a worldview is a ring of power, which how might I be able to say that? Is it powerful to be able to answer the hardest questions of life? Yeah. It's really powerful. All right. Uh, Karen Cross, would you mind being an example here? All right. So, Karen Cross, where would you like your tribe to live? You're going to be Prince Karen Cross of the Karen Cross tribe. You want to be like forest? You want to be mountains? You want to be beach? You want to be desert? Mountains. mountains. Of course, you're living in the mountains. The Karen Cross tribe lives in the mountains, the Karen Crossites, right? And uh, there are two kids, and they're playing on the edge of a cliff, they're having a ball. And one of them steals the other kid's food and, uh, and then lies about it. And he comes up to you because you're the chief. Like, hey, chief, are we allowed to like, just steal? And what will you have to give this kid? An answer. You have to like, well, morality, we do this in our tribe, right? And, you're gonna give, and they're going to do what? Because you say it. You're the, you're the chief. They're going to follow whatever you say. And then two minutes later, someone's like, wait, 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 wait. My sister just fell off the cliff and died. This is horrible. There's a tragedy. And then later that same kid is like, Where, where'd my sister go? Like, what happens when we die, Chief Karen Cross? And then someone and two weeks later has been contemplating on the side of the mountain. Where, like, where, where did we come from? How did, how did it all start, Chief Karen Cross? You see what's going on here? You're going to have to do what? Give answer. Is it powerful to confidently be able to answer those types of questions? And can we see how that would shape a tribe or shape a family, right? I want you to consider, right, uh, the, the Goodman tribe, right? Could be on the beach maybe, right? And, and like, what if he gave materialist answers and she's giving monism answers and then we've got a tribe over here that's giving the idealist answers and all of a sudden these tribes get bigger and bigger and bigger and are you catching the metaphor? A, where did the leaders come up with the answers? They, they came up with it, does that make sense? It's, uh, some, of you, some of you missed the fact, I've said it several times, but like Hinduism started somewhere with what? Yeah, a person who's like, Hinduism, you know, the Buddhism starts with people. As strange as it sounds, Abraham listened, said he heard God, 
and now we have Father Abraham. Like, people have started these worldviews and perpetuated them and revised them and tweaked them. But people are coming up with this stuff, right? What, if we pull this metaphor into our lives, how might this story be pointing to our story? And all of them were what? Deceived. <coughs> yeah? If that's true, and this is where it can be a little risky in class to use that kind of language, but at the same time from a Christian worldview, having part of the truth is great. This is that, that flip in class. Because I've been trying to honor, and we want to say, where do they have light on? And do they have part of the truth? Do they? Of course they do. But is part of the truth all of the truth? Actually, if someone told you half the truth, you could almost say that they've told you a what? Told you a lie. Fair enough? So Tolkien says, all of them were deceived. Well, what about in our world, an angelic being handing out answers to questions that deceive people and manipulate them and dominate them and enslave them into partial truth, to really into lies? Can we see that? And if that's the case of what's going on worldview-wise, most of the world then is what? Deceived. Well, what are we going to do about it? <laughs> Right? Build your king. Right? Like, that's, that's kind of what I was getting at chapel on, on some level. But here now in philosophy class, when we look at Narnia, or we look at some of these Avenger types movies, or we look at Lord of the Rings in particular, or a Harry Potter type story, this stuff's epic, isn't it? It's big. And actually, over here, we'll realize like it's war. And does Paul the Apostle use that kind of language? Yeah, he says, you woke up in a battleground. You woke up in a war zone. Have you put on your armor? Our battle is not against flesh and blood, right? Not against people, but here's the key. It is against what people believe. But there were some who resisted. We the Academy Warriors. A last alliance of men and elves marched against the and high school of students. And on the slopes of Mount Doom, they fought for the freedom of Middle-earth. Are you, are you fighting for freedom? We're not in heaven and we're not in hell, we're what? Somewhere in the middle? On what planet? Earth? What's it like fighting materialism? <laughs> What's it like fighting idealism? Or monism? Vying for truth? It can be pretty overwhelming at times, can't it? How about moral relativity? It was in this moment when all hope had faded. 
that Isildur, son of the king, took up his father's sword. Oh, that sounds good too, doesn't but it? the hearts of men are easily corrupted. Not women. Right, just men. Um, what's intriguing to me, though, we got Isildur, son of the king, father's sword, destroy evil forever. Does that sound familiar? Son of the king, using the truth to destroy evil forever. And in this, in this movie, does it happen? No. Shoot. So is Isildur like Jesus? Well, yeah, but is he Jesus? No. But is there a character who is the son of the king who did destroy the power of evil forever? Yeah, in our story, it actually happened 2,000 years ago. Woot woot. I mean, do we believe it? When we see it there, you're like, no, the epic is it's too big of a scope. But in actuality, what happened on the cross for real? Sweetness, right? Keep going? All right. And the ring of power has a will of its own. Weird. This thing is weird. should not have been forgotten or lost. History became legend, legend became myth, and for two and a half thousand years, the ring passed out of all knowledge. There it is, I made it bold and italic and bigger font, there's, there's the line. History became story and legends and tall tales and now eventually has become what just it's a myth like all it is is metaphor period right and so if we were to do the stats the percentage which they're, there's they're varying right now when you look them up but if you would actually maybe just throw it out there the percentage of people on planet earth when they pick up the bible who read it like they read aesop's fables or Iliad and Odyssey, like Greek or Roman mythology. This is just Hebrew mythology. What do you think the stats are nowadays? What do you think they are? Yeah, we're over 50, probably closer to 75, maybe even 80 plus. 
human beings on the planet? I mean, just just take a sampling, even in DuPage County, does everybody believe the Bible as actual fact and history? No, they don't. Even at Wheaton Academy, we've got a lot of people who don't actually believe the Book of Acts was real, right? Although, based off of Friday's Chapel, there was a lot of declaration going on. That was awesome. <laughs> I was very encouraged, right? Myth. C.S. Lewis and J.R. Tolkien, they're Oxford and Cambridge professors, and they're writing at a time when professors, scholars, are doing their dissertations, basically saying, oh, by the way, it really actually is myth. Here's how you can read it as myth. It's just great story. But we don't have to write off the Christians and their mythology completely. Just like we learned from the Roman and Greek mythology and African mythology and Norse mythology, can we learn a lot from them? Yeah, so can we learn a lot from the Hebrew mythology? Yeah, we're talking scholars are basically saying that that's what's going on. And actually, who's one of the scholars that was saying that? C.S. Lewis. <laughs> C.S. Lewis himself was a profound atheist scholar at Oxford calling the Bible what? Myth. How did Tolkien deal with that as his really good friend? Yeah, he didn't, he didn't fight Lewis. Tolkien is the model for us now. He doesn't fight C.S. Lewis academically and logically and scholarly like, no, you know what, C.S. like Jack is what, Jack, it's, it, it's not myth, it's fact. It's, you know, it's not myth, it's history. Lewis knew that that wouldn't work, but he also, sorry, Tolkien knew that wouldn't work, but also Tolkien knew that wasn't true. Tolkien studies myth. What does Tolkien know about the Bible? It's what? It's myth. It's awesome myth. <laughs> like, you read, there's talking donkeys and man-eating fish and people walking on water and gods being born of virgins and then dying and coming back to life and flying up to heaven and riding on big white horses with trumpets coming in at the like. It's what? It's crazy and it's myth. And so, rather than fighting Lewis on this, there's that Addison's Walk night that I wrote about that you also watched in the video. They're walking. They're talking about myth. And until four in the morning, they're hammering away at it. And in the morning, Lewis is like, oh, no one's ever said this before. It is myth. It's just which myth? The true myth. And you're like, oh. <laughs> Click. Huh. Well, and, and honestly, at that point, this is C.S. Lewis going, I had never thought about it like that. No one had ever presented it to me like that. And all of a sudden, that's why it works so well. And now who do we have? C.S. Lewis. Like we have Lewis because of that conversation. And I just want to offer to you, if you haven't caught it yet, like that is a healthy approach, I think, especially, especially in our modern culture. We don't want to fight the mythic aspects of Scripture. Actually, they help us understand what Scripture really is all about. Go team. Questions, thoughts, or comments? Thank you, Tolkien. <laughs> what a great, I wish I was there for that conversation. That must have been fascinating. Um, well, here's what I want to do. We've got enough time, I think. i got about 10 minutes. These opening five minutes give us this big, epic scope. We're in a battle. It's, an ep it's a battle of ideology, a battle for truth. Right? It's not against flesh and blood. It's a supernatural battle. It's way bigger than any of us. Yet at the same time, it affects who? All of us very individually, 
This ring gets picked up by someone named Smeagol. Smeagol is a what? He's a, he's, now here's the key. He's a hobbit for how long? The whole time. He's always a hobbit. He never loses his identity as a hobbit. Does he shift his identity? He starts calling himself Gollum and lets himself be called Gollum. But he's the whole time is a hobbit. Watch what the ring will do to us on our journeys. Right? I'm going to ask you next week, what's your ring? And here's the tagline for these next five, six minutes. If Gollum does not destroy this ring, it will do what? Destroy him. What in your life right now that if you don't destroy it, it will what? Destroy you. Until when chance came, it ensnared a new bearer. It ensnares? The ring came to the creature Gollum, who took it deep into the tunnels of the Misty Mountains. And there, it consumed him. It eats him! Oh, sorry. That's where I wanted to pause it. Look at Peter Jackson. They say it consumes him. And then look what they made this look like. A mouth. You know why we know it's a hobbit? Because we're, because you know where, where he's living? He's living in a hole in the ground. How's his hole? Compare that to Bilbo's that we're going to see in about five minutes. Horrible. How's his life? How's his quality of life? For real, like, it's horrifying. He's got himself in the ring to talk to. How are his friendship relationships going? I want to consider here, does he ever stop being a hobbit? Nope, he never loses that. And is he really on the side of Sauron? He wants to try to be on his own side, but that doesn't work very well either. But he's a hobbit. What has the ring done to him? What in our lives, what piece of evil have we picked up? And it's powerful. We're using it. It's getting us stuff that we want. Well, it can be. Although I, I think technology is potentially neutral tool. But uh, for some of us, the phones, Phones, if you don't have, if you don't learn self-control over your phone, if you can't control it, it's going to start doing what? Controlling you. Does that make sense? Are we tracking? Pornography. Many people have stumbled into pornography. They're in it. If you don't deal with it, eventually it's going to do what to your marriage or your job situation or your reputation? It, it just it will. All sin brings death. Now, for many of us, you're like, yeah, but Mr. D, I don't look like that. Well, maybe you don't on the outside. How's your spirit? How's your emotional state? How's your dignity and integrity? Your purity? And sad, sad, and I say this tongue-in-cheek, I'm not trying to joke about it, but there are some things that will do that to you physically, like meth. Seriously, those of you who know what happens with people who are meth addicts, literally, their, their teeth fall out, your intestines rot, you get skin diseases, your hair falls out, it ruins you, right? Disordered eating can do this to people. Uh, it's really sad to see how relationship with food can really mess us up, not just emotionally, but physically. Fair enough? Most of it's not physical. 
Most of us do a really good job presenting ourselves on the outside when inside this might be happening to us. What's your ring that you're carrying around? It's powerful. It's giving you something right now that's powerful, but it's also trapping you and destroying you. I'll, I'll share with you two quick stories and then we'll move on. But I teach this lesson every semester. Um, I know some pastors, two of them, I had lunches with them after the incidents, but one of them had an affair with someone right in his congregation. Then another one had, uh, uh, he also had, he had multiple affairs. Another one was totally struggling with porn and it destroyed his marriage and his ministry. And I had lunch with these guys. I love them. I'm praying for them and connecting with them. But at the end of both of the lunches, I said, I teach high school students. Anything I should tell them? You know, it's amazing. Of all the things they could tell me in this little one and a half hour lunch. Like, oh, they both said this. The first one said, I had a lust issue in high school. And actually, he corrects himself. He's like, no, no, I had a lust issue in junior high. I wish I had dealt with it then. Right? He never dealt with it. Does that make sense? The other porn one said, yeah, I, I didn't even want that stuff. And it, someone handed it to me, and I got hooked. And I never dealt with it. I just hid it my whole life, and it destroyed his marriage. Right? Like, and his reputation, unfortunately. He's now he's still on our side. I'll see both of these people in heaven. Does that make sense? Just how's quality of life? I love. See how we can take this story can point to our story, and it's just so beautifully, so powerfully, Tolkien sets this up. Sin's powerful. Otherwise, none of us would do it, right? If we didn't get something from it, none of us would deal with it. It wouldn't even be tempting. Satan knows how to take really great things and warp them just enough so they're destructive, but they don't really give us the benefits we're looking for or wanting. Keep going? Yeah, all right. The ring brought to Gollum unnatural long life. Interesting. For 500 years it poisoned his mind. Poison. And in the gloom of Gollum's cave, it waited. Darkness crept back into the forest of the world. Rumor grew of a shadow in the east. Sarah. Whispers of a nameless fear. And the ring of power perceived. Its time had now come. That's all the Hobbit stuff with Sauron. It abandoned Gollum. But something happened then the ring did not intend. It was picked up by the most unlikely creature imaginable. What's this? A hobbit. Bilbo Baggins of the show. Of the show. Isn't that great? We'll watch this tomorrow and on block day. But wait, wait, check that out. Something happened. The ring did not. I mean, this thing is powerful. It's eating. It's destroying. It's poisoning. Interestingly, does Satan really care about us? No. It abandons him. It doesn't care about Gollum. Right? But something happened the ring did not intend. A lot of people are like, so where's God in Lord of the Rings? Oh, well, he's in the Silmarillion and other things. Like, he's there. But I think it's intriguing to consider it's powerful, but is it all powerful? No, there's something bigger and more powerful going on. Hobbits can resist it, right? Um, I find it awesome to think, like, what's a hobbit? My daughter, Livy, who's four, who was on stage, that's the size of a hobbit. <laughs> They're tiny. Right? And you think, like, 
these characters who are overlooked and underestimated. I think that's why Jesus chose high school students. Can high school students change the world? Yeah, they can. Right? Powerful. Tolkien is rewriting the concept of hero and epic. And these hobbits do it, right? For the time will soon come when hobbits will shape the fortunes of all. But can he do it by himself? No, he's not meant to. We at least got to take Sam, and then Merry and Pippin, and Gimli, Legolas, and Boromir, and Aragorn, and a Gandalf. Huh? Bill, I love Bill. And you're going to see the title of the book, and the movie is The Fellowship. Why fellowship? Are we meant to do this alone? We're meant to do this together as the body of Christ with our different gifts and abilities. And can we do it? Yes, go team. You guys are awesome. Have a great day. Go destroy some rings today. There you go. That's your homework. Go destroy a ring. Or kill a dragon, either one. Let's do it. <laughs>